0: Welcome back to another episode of Dunk of Up Ship podcast. It's going to be in a... I'm starting a new book report. I've been kind of teasing this one for a while. I'm really excited about it. Uh, it's called The Peter Principle. Uh, it's a book by Dr. Lawrence J. Peter and Raymond Hull. Um, and it's a fun book. Um, first of all, I just want to lead with... Um, it, it's definitely... Um, intended to educate but it's also kind of there's a lot of things in the book that are tongue-in-cheek and when he wrote the the uh the book and kind of delineated the principle and all of the supporting information for it um, he did it in a way that it's kind of funny um but it's also subsequently been supported by a lot of academic research Um, but that's not the basis of the book so just understand that going in there's there's a not satire piece to it but there's like a uh, he just wrote it in a way that was kind of meant to be comedic in and, and you'll understand when we get into this and when you get into the book yourself if you if you check it out in lieu of ever having a sponsor i've basically created my own if you want to support us go to dgutsapparel.com. So don't give up the ship apparel uh, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at D Guts Apparel. Uh, it's naval pride and heritage gear you'll actually wear in public. I went out of my way to create some really awesome stuff that I think you'll really enjoy, and it's some stuff that I think you'll actually wear. Uh, I hate all the stuff in the Navy Exchange section. I hate a lot of the stuff I see on social media where some somebody's side hustle is creating like nauseating gear that no one actually wants except for like crusty old retirees which i'm about to be so i don't know if i should uh, talk smack but anyway uh go check it out DgutsApparel if you want to support us that's the best way to do it and i would really appreciate it when i first when i first learned about the principle uh it, my first reaction was I know why people are so unhappy with leadership in the military. It was like a, it was like a eureka moment because it's something I've been exploring on the podcast for a really long time. And, uh, it was frustrating. It was a frustrating paradox to me. Like I, I just didn't understand. It's just, it's logical. It makes sense. Like get it together, do this correctly. Uh, take care of your people, blah, blah, blah. Right. We've gone down a lot of those rabbit holes throughout all the episodes, but understanding it, when you frame it, inside of a hierarchy which is what this book is all about um it, it just kind of put it all, the last puzzle piece the missing puzzle piece in for me and it was just like ah like um and i i really i highly recommend this book uh i'll there'll be a link in the description obviously um but yeah it's it's really good and i'm excited i think i'll probably get through this in two episodes um i got about halfway through it on this one outline and it, it shouldn't be too long um but the kind of the basic concept is people are inevitably promoted past their highest level of competence, leading to incompetence running rampant in leadership. Uh, we need to understand and adjust to this institutionally by promoting based on demonstrated leadership competence, not potential, which is what we currently do at selection boards. Um, it, it's something that I was I was a little troubled by, and that was one of the puzzle pieces for me when I was on a selection board was that were kind and they and they literally said it it's you're you're basically you're selecting on their potential to do a job based on their performance at a lower level largely doing unrelated things um, when you start progressing into leadership and that's not necessarily from like uh, the first class to the chief level always but probably like this the more stark leap might even be from second class to first class when you're going into like Lpo positions and stuff it's like all of a sudden you're in a leadership position um and i think this it, the the contrast there is like at an Lpo level you're doing a lot of managing a lot less leading not you're not not leading but like you're doing a lot less of that and a lot more managing um and then you make the leap from there to to leadership in the chiefs position and it's you're you're being selected for that promotion not based on demonstrated leadership competence or at the lower level demonstrated managerial competence you're being promoted based on your technical competence Um, and that's that's fraught with uh With um, just traps and just fraught with opportunity to fail. Um, So this book and the principle on which it's based knocked me on my butt, as I've kind of already started with when I first started reading it. And then the more I got into it, the more all the madness uh, that has pervaded my entire military career in its way makes sense or at least becomes understandable, uh, even though I obviously don't agree with it and still think it's insane. Uh, the Peter Principle is simple. And this is a quote from the book in a hierarchy, which the military very clearly is uh, in a hierarchy. Every employee rises to their level of incompetence. Right. <laughs> but wait until you find out why. Uh, so I'm going to start covering some information that I really enjoyed in the foreword of the book. Um, so the idea for uh, the Peter Principle kind of stemmed from. Uh, so first, the book itself, Raymond Hull is kind of the the person that after meeting Dr. Lawrence kind of pushed him to write the book. Um, But after observing incompetence in the workplace over a long period of time, Dr. Peter noted that while some people operated competently, many had risen to their level of incompetence over time and caused turmoil in organizations. And it wasn't that they were incompetent, simply that they were promoted past their level of competence based on the competence at a lower level instead of their ability to do the job they're being promoted to. Uh, And this is a quote from the book. It was logical to conclude that for every job that existed in the world, there was someone somewhere who could not do it. (laughs) Given sufficient time and enough promotions, they would get the job. Um, (laughs) So it's it's the understanding is that in the military is like the perfect case study for this. And there's some quotes that I'll get to in a minute uh, where he he specifically uh, quoted uh, things regarding uh, like naval Bureaucracy in in like Great Britain and a couple other places and and just military bureaucracy like he just that that was the example they chose because it's like the biggest, most ridiculous bureaucracy that probably exists. Um, I mean, it's a branch of government and then government's probably that. But um, anyway, he it was funny. I like I, I laughed out loud as I was reading it at medical. While I was waiting to go to an appointment. And I was just like giggling at myself in that one. Like I almost fell out of my chair when I when I realized they were using uh naval entities around the world as as uh, examples for hierarchies that were com- super inefficient based on this competence but uh but yeah it's because of our rank structure existing the way that it does and being structured the way that it does there is ample time and uh like levels of promotion for somebody to eventually reach their level of incompetence because even when you get to e9 it's like if you get to the CMC level, then you're not you. you start being you, you start getting promoted um, positionally instead of in, in rank. And so there's just so many levels. Uh, there's plenty of time <laughs> and enough promotion levels uh, that you would get to your level of incompetence theoretically. Um, so another quote from the book that I really liked, we behave as though up is better and more is better. And yet all around us, we see the tragic victims of this mindless escalation. We see men in groups and most of the human race struggling for status on a treadmill to oblivion, which if (laughs) I've I've never seen something written that so perfectly captures the up and out policy in the military and particularly the Navy and then the Navy advancement system. It's just like we believe that uh, up is better. Right. And more is better. Like, just increased rank and responsibility is better. And it's like, well, why is it better? (laughs) Like, make that argument because there are people who, when they reach their highest level of competence, like, that's where I would like them to stay because they're going to add the most value to the organization there. I don't want them to go to their first level of incompetence because then they're hindering the mission of the organization right so it's uh, for me like i think it's completely fine if somebody's a second class for 25 years if that's where they best contribute to the organization and that's where um they're the happiest right it's like it's a win-win like the organization gets all the most value they possibly can from that person in that place and then uh we're like they're the happiest like they're the happiest if they're at that technician level and that's what they love to do and that's you know why they're super competent in that position um, but and then the treadmill to oblivion part uh, I really enjoyed as well because it that's what it feels like that's what this whole experience in leadership has felt like um, existing within this hierarchy and that's what blew my mind again about this book is that when you when you really start to when it starts to crystallize in your mind that um like the rules of the game are this hierarchy and we we'll get to it later but the the hierarchy must be preserved right at all costs so um it when you start to when it really crystallizes it's like i feel like i started learn like i just learned how to read the matrix like all the code that's like falling down the screen like i finally see the picture now um but anyway let's get into the the introduction part so he started with the observation um So he said, uh, I have noticed that with few exceptions, men bungle their affairs everywhere. I see incompetence rampant, incompetence triumphant. Uh, and he will go on in a second to talk about kind of his background and the context, um, where like it kind of like how his experience then starkly contrasted with what he experienced in real life and then led to his discovering the principle. But, uh, that naval reference that I, was, I mentioned earlier, uh, so an exa- this was one of the examples, and there's a ton of them in the book about military bureaucracies, but uh, an example of that incompetence all the way back in 1684. So this is how long this has been going on. A report on effectiveness is quoted as saying the naval administration was a prodigy of wastefulness, corruption, ignorance, and indolence no estimate could be trusted no contract was performed no check was enforced some of the new men of war were so rotten that unless speedily repaired they would go down at their moorings the sailors were paid with so little punctuality that they were glad to find some uh i don't know you sir i am gonna learn a new word here you u s u r e r i english um yeah, I'm going to have to look that up who would purchase their tickets at 40 percent discount. So they're basically buying their uh, their pay promissory notes for like pennies on a dollar um, because they just the sailors wanted money. And then it, the usurers, if I'm saying that correctly, uh, viewed it as an investment. Most of the ships which were afloat were commanded by men who had not been bred to the sea. Um, so that's a pretty scathing indictment of the of the uh, naval administration as they called it or that or the hierarchy that existed and this was all the way back in 1684 and if if I i didn't write it down but if memory serves they were talking about uh great britain or england or whatever um but yeah like and there was a ton of examples like all the way through the civil war of like just military bureaucracy Um, and like just high level generals talking about how they couldn't get anything done and how like the bureaucracy was ridiculous and all the same complaints that you now you see on meme sites. Um, so I, I thought I really enjoyed that. (laughs) The, The, uh, the example they chose to use was a, was a naval reference. Um, so the context, so background on Dr. Peter, uh, in chapter one is Dr. Peter was raised on the principle. The more, you know, the further you go, you grow or the further you go. Uh, so he studied hard through college and went on to become a teacher, but became frustrated with administrators caring about things that were not actually relevant to what he felt the mission of the school to be, which was teaching children, which um, is kind of <laughs> like how I felt my entire career where it was like I was frustrated by the. Um, seeing all these people within the organization uh, focused on all these things that didn't matter and not focused on taking care of their people And, um, and to me like going in it just seemed logical that like no your first job like your prime directive is taking care of your people and everything else is secondary and a lot of times the things that these people were so caught up in were things that would kind of take care of themselves like as second order effects if you just took care of your people so they're they're focused on putting out all these fires and addressing symptoms of the problem that they created themselves by not focusing on what really matters uh and that's what i I got so frustrated with and and that's kind of where dr peter found his frustration in the civilian world as well in the teaching environment was he was talking about Like all the administrators focusing on all these stupid bureaucratic uh, inputs into maintaining the the daily routine of the hierarchy instead of focusing on the mission of the organization like output, which we'll get to later. Um, So one of the things that he he was talking about having observed incompetence everywhere at every level in all industries because he started looking around and doing research uh, Dr. Peter began to hypothesize that the cause had to do with the system responsible for placing employees in the roles. Right. So he would see he was analyzing all these roles, looking around and realizing that, like, how did we get to a place where all of these incompetent employees were in in jobs for which they're incompetent? Like they're ineffective. They're clearly not doing a good job. They're doing harm to the the mission of the organization. Like, how did this happen like how did it become rampant and so his hypothesis was whatever system we have for placing employees in roles is broken uh so then based on the observation of hierarchies which is what he zeroed in on uh he finally arrived at developing the peter principle which and i'm quoting from the book in a hierarchy every employee tends to rise to his or her level of incompetence uh the principle applies to everyone in a hierarchy no exceptions and we'll get into a little bit of that um And while you may be promoted a few times and maintain competence, that competence qualifies you for still another promotion, which will eventually inevitably lead to you finding your level of incompetence. So the theory goes, given enough time and assuming enough ranks in the promotion uh, tree of that hierarchy, the principle will be met by literally everyone. Uh, And then Peter's corollary states kind of the inverse in time. Every post tends to be occupied by an employee who is incompetent to carry out its duties. Um, what's funny here is like, I, and I don't know if I'm different or I was, you know, like I, I just found, uh, found my way eventually or whatever. I think part of it was unique to my falling in love with leadership development, um, and just a strong desire to take care of my people. Cause I cared about them. But like when I got promoted to chief at nine and a half years, I was incompetent. <laughs> like I will <laughs> happily admit it. And I'll use that word because um, I wasn't ready for it. I like I don't know how anybody's ever ready for it um, because of the way that we promote f- for potential to do a job. Um, so you're promoting someone to the unknown based on like your analysis through a very, you know, very faulty system through a broken eval system. <laughs> like you're just kind of like I mean, you're rubbing a crystal ball like you're looking at it like ah, he looks like he'll. You know what I mean? Like it, I meh. <laughs> might be all right at this. And uh, if there's truth in reporting in those documents I'm looking at, then yeah, they maybe they will be. I think there's definitely metrics within like the illicit career paths that we use that um, are indicators uh, that somebody will be good at the job or could be good at the job, but it's certainly not a certainty. Like it's certainly not a, a system that I believe um, does a great job. Like you're, you're really, promoting on potential and it almost feels like like a rudimentary like sports draft where you're like like you're doing like the scouting and it's like you really don't know that much you don't get to observe them in in real time you don't know them you don't have any experience and all these like evals like all the scouting reports are largely like overinflated uh analysis in a in a like broken system um so it's like you don't really know like you just and all you have to go off of is these exaggerated uh, accounts of what they did over a period of time and sometimes those exaggerated accounts are are a pretty accurate analysis of the person a lot of times they're not um but the system is what it is and does what it does so we end up with these vastly exaggerated uh Accounts of someone's performance and then you're forced to, p- to promote on potential and it just it it. And then you can get into the quota thing and just good God. Um, so let's move on to. Uh, so now that we're talking about. So we're talking about like incompetence competence in relation to these roles. So who defines competence? Here's where it gets fun because of a hierarchy being a hierarchy. Um, defined competence is defined not by outsiders or even think about it like customers or junior people that uh, are like the end user of your leadership uh, it's not defined by them <laughs> uh, and they're the most largely the most affected by it um, but it's defined by the the person that's next level up in the hierarchy so like you're superior and we all know that right that's the way our, our system is set up and that's largely why i think it doesn't work uh, if that superior is still at a level of competence, which happens, I think there's there's probably a lot of times that happens, even if they had to kind of find their way into it, like I did, uh, they will evaluate employees based on their level of output. So remember, I mentioned this earlier. So think about input, output. So if they're still, if that supervisor's still competent in the role that they're in they're going to evaluate employees based on their level of output which is just think about it like contributions to mission accomplishment like real um live like really valuable uh things that can really contribute to like war fighting effectiveness and mission readiness and material condition and all that kind of stuff uh however if that person above you in the hierarchy is not competent if they are at their level of incompetence They will evaluate employees based on their input. So what does that mean? Contributions to the hierarchy, right? So think about the kind of stuff you see on meme sites, like the people that are like the overzealous second class memes and like the people that uh, are more concerned with um, feeding the bureaucracy piece like feeding the like oh, i'm going to do a bake sale and i'm going to be a collateral duty cowboy and i'm going to get my volunteer medal and i'm going to do all this other stuff that has nothing to do with the job that the navy's paying me to do and that actually contributes to mission accomplishment not to say that some of those things right there are collateral duties that are very important uh qualifying watches right like there's a lot of times where that obviously is going to uh significantly contribute to uh like a warfighting capacity for whatever unit you're attached to but there's a whole bunch of times where uh it's it seems to be like it seems to it feels like and seems to actually be true in a lot of ways that uh people are focused on everything except their primary duty Uh, and those things whatever they are even if it's just stuff and we'll get later to patrons and push and pull and stuff like that where where even if it's just the type of things that don't necessarily go on an eval but might affect a ranking or an award selection or something like that where it just affects like all the people that all the superiors in that hierarchy whether they're competent or incompetent uh, evaluate a person to be valuable to the organization and a lot of the people that are at their level of incompetence are going to evaluate people that aren't actually contributing anything to to output, but they're contributing a lot to input, and to those people that are at their level of incompetence are ineffectively evaluating based on input and not output, and so that person is going to be viewed favorably, uh, and is going to get a lot of push from those people and and or a lot of pull, sorry, and we'll get to that in a minute too. Uh, another fun concept from this book. Um, so I want to talk about Peter's inverts because I thought it was really interesting. So, um this concept leads to people who are more concerned with internal drudgery and compliance with organizational norms than with actually being useful Uh, so this is kind of uh, a a this is an explanation of that uh, person that's input driven right Um, internal consistency is valued more highly than efficient service this employee always obeys and never decides Which will be evaluated as competence by incompetence evaluators, which I mentioned a minute ago, until that person is in a position that requires decisions, at which point they will be incompetent, which this is just an example of of what feeds it like. This is where the negative feedback loop of our promotion system is glaringly obvious, where uh, the Peters inverse concept is like the the people that have risen to their level of incompetence, which I would I would venture to guess is a large amount um are evaluating people uh for that input that it's it's you're obsessed with the internal drudgery and compliance with organizational norms and you're incapable of making decisions you're just following what you either know to be the actual rules or perceive to be like the organizational norms and the things you need to do to get promoted um but you never make real decisions and then when you find yourself in a position where you have to you're incapable of doing that um at which point they become incompetent and you're you're stuck with that person in at that level of incompetence who's now a drain on the organization and its ability to accomplish its mission Um, another fun one and this this is one that i think will uh blow a lot of minds so um uh and and i had to i had to really self-reflect when i read this because i was i was I'm like I viewed myself as a super competent person for a large period of time even though I will like admit there were definitely times where I was incompetent for a while and then I I adjusted and sometimes it was really painful and it took a while but I got there Um, so I I, I was looking at it and I'm like well if I'm the super competent person then I should have I should have been a victim of what he calls hierarchical exfoliation which is the fuck greatest term ever um, and what he's talking about is high functioning people not promoting and even being driven out of the organization when operating outside organizational norms the hierarchy becomes threatened this leads to the paradox that super competence is more objectionable than incompetence ordinary incompetence is no cause for dismissal it's simply a bar to promotion so once you get to that level of incompetence you just stay there uh, because it doesn't threaten hierarchy super competence disrupts the hierarchy and thereby violates the prime directive of all hierarchies which is self-preservation so this one took me for threw me for a loop um this one i had trouble um so i had trouble reconciling it for a couple of reasons one because i viewed myself as super competent so i'm like well if that's true why did i promote to where i promoted to so so there there's another uh paradox that required me to really be critical of myself and so what i kind of came to realize was when i started figuring it out and this is something i've talked about a bunch when i started figuring out as a chief um that instead of fighting against the organizational norms and the hierarchy um i started to just figure out how it worked and uh start just like leveraging that knowledge into Getting the things that I needed to take care of my people. So it was almost like It to me, it feels a little bit like a cheat code because I wasn't participating. like I did participate in input. I'd be that's it wouldn't be true if I said I didn't Um, but I did it for the purpose of Maximizing my output within the restrictions of the hierarchy I was in if that makes sense so like there when you're promoted in the chiefs mess you find yourself in this little ecosystem, and it's very there's a pecking order and there's politics, and you really got to kind of figure out where you fit in and um, how much pull you have as a brand new chief, as a little more senior of a chief, as an actual senior chief. Because it, it was a lot different in my first mess than when I came back as a senior chief, and I'm the most senior guy in the submarine, not named Cobb. So it's very different experiences there. Um, but like when I was in there, I'm a junior chief like i was a brand new chief and i was kind of like looking around analyzing figuring it out getting in where i fit in and then figuring out how to use all of those norms like how to leverage that pecking order who i could who i could um get to help me with the the push and pull pieces And so let's let's get into that piece, too. Uh, I'm going to have to read from the book because my outline apparently ate itself at some point. So I lost what I had prepared. Um, But so the book defines pull as an employee's relationship by blood, marriage or acquaintance with a person above them in the hierarchy. Uh, So, you know, like, think about it like, oh, you're just you're in good with chief whoever or that person likes you or or. Um, you have some kind of a relationship professionally personally whatever which a lot of times in the military i would say it's mostly professional and we're not going to go down the road of the other things that happen because i feel like i feel like it's rare but i'm also a submariner so you know take that for what you will uh winning promotion through pull is a thing we all hate in other people uh and it's basically saying that like it, you know you hate watching it happen but when it happens to you it's all right. And this was another piece that I had a hard time with because as, as I came up, I, I always viewed it as, um, and we'll get to like the, he names the, the almost like medical conditions, like the, the way that people, um, like a syndrome that like (laughs) how you arrived at where you are. And so for me, I thought this, it was super competence. And I was like, Like just outworking everybody, and um, just like whether it's with gaining technical knowledge or uh, improving the process or building my team or leading my people or whatever, Um, and I think to a certain extent that was true. But to looking back, there was definitely a mechanism of pull here where there were people that I think were at their still at their level of competence, and I just got lucky that those people recognized, uh, in me, what probably got them to where they are or what they th- at least think got them to where they are. And they pulled me up. Um, I kinda, I, I would have initially probably self-analyzed and said, no, I just, you know, like I, and it's not like I didn't do it with, without help, but I didn't view it this way, but it, it for sure. Like I can, I can tell, um, I tell a lot of people like I, I wasn't great at networking. I didn't have, I didn't go out of my way to find these people, but I kind of happened upon them. And, um, based on their experience with me, I formed these connections and these people got behind me and, and pushed, which in in this case is called pull. Like they pulled me up. Um, they recognized something in me that they wanted at the higher level and they, and they pulled me up for sure, which I think those two things that we just kind of covered where, um, like I I thought it was my super competence, which I think, you know, like there was a part of it that was, yes, sure. It was my hard work and uh, I fancy myself like pretty intelligent and stuff like that. But uh, it for sure, I I would not have gotten as far as I did uh, without people pulling me up. And I think that was kind of the that was the what put that together that concept together for me was like okay the reason i'm here instead of retiring as a first class or a chief because like there's a lot of things that were conspiring against me had people not went out of their way to advocate for me and that's a large portion of it like i for sure a lot of it's hard work and that those things aren't disconnected but i don't think i i get as far as i did without people pulling me along um of, of, and uh, the paradox in relation to this uh, this concept employees in a hierarchy do not really object to incompetence. They merely gossip about incompetence to mask their envy of employees who have pull, because, again, it's only objectionable when it's not happening to you. So if it was happening to you, you'd be OK with it uh, and, in fact, desire it. And when you see it happen, a lot of people are like, man, I need to figure out a way to, to make that happen. Um, so in talking about how to acquire pull, uh, find a patron is step one. Uh, and this a patron is just somebody above you in the hierarchy who can help you. And then um, One of the ways that they are motivated to help you is that either um, they have something to gain by assisting you or something to lose by not assisting you to rise in the hierarchy. Um, So it's it's something that hopefully it's the something to gain in my mind, because I've definitely pulled people up as well. The something to gain for me is my recognition that this person provides a lot of output uh, they provide a lot of value to the value to the organization. They, uh, I believe them to have uh, great leadership potential based on what I've seen them do. Uh, and so it's kind of a hybrid method because it's hard to know if somebody's going to succeed at the next level. But what I can tell you is, I, I go out of my way when they work for me to prepare them for that. But also, I put them in positions where I get to get as much experience as I can with them in those positions, so that I'm, I'm recommending their promotion based on actual competence to the extent that that's possible. Um and uh get out from under is is the next step he's got in here where he's just talking about there are people that um can kind of get in your way. I think this is this is less applicable. The only time I would really see this come up is when you would see somebody that is uh, more of input person that is like in an EP position above you that's been at the organization longer, and you've got to kind of wait for that thing uh, to to fix itself via a transfer or a promotion so that you can get into that spot. Like a lot, even though you know it's random tangent, but you can you can lower somebody's promotion rating with really no justification, as long as you know you're writing them a, the proper eval. A lot of it's a it's a fun uh myth that people like to pass down that uh once you get an ep you have to stay an ep and we're like that's not real like read the eval manual but anyway uh so he's talking about that concept uh and ch- just just to not get stuck there and do what you can to get around that and he talks about like alternate promotion paths and stuff like that which for us generally uh isn't they're not real so you kind of it's that one's not as, as big of a deal to us uh be flexible so it's talking about um there's only so much one patron can do for you. Uh, once they pull you up, a lot of times they have to climb higher in the organization in order to continue to be an effective patron for you. So, you know, like if if somebody about, immediately above you is doing the pulling and then you successfully promote uh, to the same level, then that, you know, you need to move on from that patron, <laughs> even though, you know, like they there's still value there from a mentorship uh, a role and like you can learn from them and and who knows like they may then shortly get promoted to the next level and then they can still help in that way um, so I don't think that's this patron thing is always soup always applicable but it, it it like it's it's always true but I don't think moving on from a patron uh, by the definition of this book is always is the move you know like you would just have to also find another one above and that's what it talks about next is ob- obtain multiple uh, patrons where he's like and the the Theor- Hull's theorem uh, the combined pull of several patrons is the sum of their separate polls multiplied by the number of patrons. The multiplication effect occurs because the patrons talk among themselves and constantly reinforce in one another their opinions of your merits and their determination to do something for you um, that I can tell you is a hundred percent accurate. Uh, it happens in the chiefs mess all the time where um, when somebody, is doing the right things and again that can be defined different ways by different people whether they're competent or incompetent at the level that they're at where somebody might be championing some a, a person who's uh like an input show pony and sometimes so hopefully most of the time uh somebody's talking about somebody that is is all output adding to mission effectiveness and and it's just a the type of warfighter you want to take with you uh when things go the way that you know they inevitably will someday so for push uh this one is is more focused on uh how like it's a fallacy that somebody like i was mentioning before can basically just outwork the system like just work so hard that you uh you have to promote them like you're undeniable which is funny because i'm 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 based this is contradicting things that i say all the time and again like i i think there's a lot of value in push when it's combined with pull like it's almost like push creates pull right where um, you being a high output person And doing a lot of productive things, I think, especially in the military, and some of this stuff is obviously unique to the civilian realm. So it's not always as applicable. But um, I think when you're pushing really hard, there's going to be competent leadership that sees what you're doing uh and it's not it's obviously not universal there's plenty of sailors out there that are going to say like i've i'm super competent at my primary duty and uh, clearly the like best technician and uh killing it all the time and the work center's on my back and i never get the recognition because i'm not doing all the collateral stuff and being a show pony so that like obviously that dichotomy exists but i think a lot of times and again going back to the learning how to exist within the hierarchy and kind of um, kind of uh, figure out a way to leverage the the policies that we know exist to get to where you want to be and accomplish the, the things that you want to accomplish whether it's for you or your people um, understanding that like there's a lot of things that i did that you could consider show pony things right like i got my volunteer service medal on my first shore duty and i got a degree even i mean that was because i've thought I was getting out at the time but also I knew it was. I knew it had value um, I did uh, I had collateral duties I did like other like community service things and um, that I knew were high vis and would get me FaceTime with the CO because I recognized that those things mattered like in addition to all the hard work I was doing like there's a lot of people that don't want to do those things and I understand it I don't want to do them either I just had a chief that helped me realize that doing those things was how you like (laughs) how you prevent your hard work from going unnoticed it's like he basically was just telling me like do both like walk and talk like uh like my dude from test step says you know like it's it's i get it It, it's i wish it wasn't that way and it isn't always but a lot of times it is and you just have to figure out a way to do both um and i get it like it's it's taste like vinegar going down like i, I understand but and it's going to be like that in the civilian world too like there's a lot of organizations that are going to want you to do a bunch of extra crap and there's a lot of really great examples in this book of people getting promoted and there's all this stuff that they didn't want to do or don't have the taste for or skill for or whatever that are those tertiary type of things that an organization requires of you to be considered a a top performer and it's not just your, your primary job. Um, so yeah, the push piece, it's just talking about that. Um, I'm not going to go super in depth on the push part. I am going to read a couple of quotes that I, I thought were good. Um, And he's talking about it's a dangerous delusion. And he says there are two reasons why the power of push is so often overestimated. First is the obsessive feeling that a person who pushes harder than average deserves to advance farther and faster than average, which, you know, I would agree with. But um, it's again without the pull piece of it, without the recognition from the right people, whether competent or incompetent, that stuff a lot of times will go unnoticed. Uh, and then he says the medical aspect second to unskilled observers the power of push sometimes seems greater than it really is because many pushful persons exhibit pseudo achievement syndrome which is the syndrome i mentioned earlier And basically what he's saying is it leads to like somebody getting so stressed out and so angry and just bitter and jaded and whatever, whatever depending on how it goes that they it manifests itself as medical conditions like you know think about somebody being so stressed out that they like have a breakdown or a heart attack or something or gets an ulcer. That's a, a nice, that's one people like to use as like a, uh, like a reference when somebody's super stressed out. Uh, and he says they suffer from such complaints as nervous breakdowns, peptic ulcers, and insomnia and ulcer, the badge of administrative success may only be the product of pushfulness. Uh, so he's just basically referencing it as, as like it's, he's kind of saying it's all bad i don't agree i think i've already kind of tackled that part where it's like you know i think you can manifest pull by pushing really hard but you also just have to be aware of the hierarchical structure like you need to be aware that there are norms where they're going to expect you to do certain things like i i've got a lot of buddies and like this isn't you know i'm gonna i'm gonna attack my own rating a little bit because it seems safe um I got a lot of buddies that refuse to qualify watch stations in the control room of a submarine. So it's like ships control stuff. So think for surface sailors, think like driving the ship like and I don't know what the equivalent would be or if there is an equivalent. But uh, as far as like the <laughs> the watch station, but um, there's chief of the watch and diving officer, of the watch diving officer of the watch is the most senior listed watch on the submarine. Some nukes will argue with me, but they're wrong. Um, but like <laughs> engineering watch supervisor is a dive equivalent. I will concede that um but it's they they just think that they shouldn't have to do it they think their primary duty is their primary duty that's what the navy's paying me to do it's not part of my career progression which is incorrect and they just think that it's not what they're here to do so they shouldn't have to do it but they should still get promoted because they work really hard and they add a lot of value to the ship and the mission and whatever which again like i mean being honest like the submarine community doesn't really value supply very highly especially cooks Uh, i know the surface world is is like that i don't think it's as bad but i i still think that that bias exists um so it's you're already handicapped by the fact that you're a cook on a submarine right so then they're saying oh well i don't think i should have to do those things so when you go to a selection board right and you've got someone that is Performing at a high level objectively, right? There's metrics. Like, I go out on submarines and do inspections called supply management uh, inspections. And, that, and that's a grade that we use to objectively evaluate their performance. And that inspection is obviously like retroactive. Like, I'm looking back in time. Uh, I evaluate their performance while I'm there, obviously, but like, I'm looking back at all their records and programs and all those things. Um, if that grade is is high, right, and I also look at their record and see that they're qualified and standing chief of the watch, duty chief, which is like the import version, and uh, diving off of the watch, you're doing both. So, in my mind, you're pushing, but also you're going to get a pull from the ranking board on your submarine. You're going to get a pull from your squadron ranking. You're going to get a pull from the selection board member because you're going to get a higher grade because the enlisted career path shows that that makes you the best of the fully qualified. Right. So pushing, uh, I think, has a lot of value, but it, it's because it creates that pull. Um, So, those two principles, like they conflicted a little bit for me as I read through them. Uh, I don't universally agree with with the way that he described it but i think a lot of that has to do with uh his focus being on the civilian side of the house um and with that i'm gonna i'm gonna stop there with the book analysis i'll probably get the second half done in the, in the next episode because we're going on 40 minutes um for me that i mean again like I, I highly highly recommend checking out this book it's really good um and it <laughs> it blew my mind and i i actually did a little a thing over on substack uh, i wrote an article on this pretty short and then you know short audio read of it and a little explanation and uh played it for the guy from well i told him about it and he listened to it the dude from 69 fathoms the uh meme page that was on the uh smoke pit episode and he said he was cleaning his house and he about fell over when he heard the explanation of the principle uh and i could i mean i couldn't agree more it's just it's pretty mind-blowing um the way that it's explained it just And it's it's funny to me also that he did it in a way that is almost comedic because what else can you do but laugh when you really understand this and you observe it in your own organizations like you want to pull chunks of your hair out Uh, when you're the end user of incompetent leadership. You want to just like throw like shove somebody through a brick wall and, and like Hulk smash like I I. I've been there and it gets really, really frustrating to watch that incompetence unfold. And there's not always something that I could do about it. And it's just it's it's maddening. Uh, It's why I started this podcast. But uh, it's it's a really fun book. I highly, highly recommend checking it out. Um, I think that I just wrote an article as well about kind of this how like leadership failure based on incompetence or uh, being unethical or both uh, is a problem and how like the you know the first step is admitting we have one and clearly uh big navy is not uh planning on doing that anytime soon but that's what has to happen it was is we have to be able to look in a mirror and and just willingly admit that we're doing it wrong right and I, i don't think meaningful meaningful change happens until we do that uh and i think there's a lot of things that we're going to have to tear down and rebuild with some of this understanding built in uh in order to fix a lot of the problems that we're seeing and, and you know my thoughts are with the uh the george washington um you know like if you haven't seen that i sure there are a few articles about the just rash of suicides they've had lately, which I can, yeah, I can only imagine has to do with the climate on board. And there's some examples in the article. Um, I don't know how much of the stuff's confirmed, but it sounds pretty reliable to me. Um, so you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna deep dive on that yet until I see a little more analysis. But wow, like, if there's anything I can do for any of those people, don't be afraid to reach out. Um, I I will fall all over myself to help you in any way that I can. Um, and you know, like with that, if you need anything from us, hit us up. Don't go up to ship podcast at gmail.com. You could Facebook message us. Don't go up to ship podcast. You could DM us on Instagram, Reddit, or discord at D podcast. Uh, do not be afraid to reach out if you need anything. If you just need to bend somebody's ear, like I'll do the best that I can. I'm not a mental health professional, but, um, you know, like I, I'm a pretty good listener and if it's advice you need, I can, I can try to do that obviously, but, if you just need somebody to sit there and listen, uh I'm in. Just <laughs> And if you're in crisis, I mean there reach out and I will fi- I will do what I got to do to fi- help you find the resources. Um but yeah, with that, that's it. That's what I got for you today. Thank you so much for listening and don't give up the ship.